2: Due to scheduling conflicts, this week's episode was recorded off-site, creating a difference in audio quality that is not consistent with past episodes in studio. We hope to be back to our normal setup soon, but in the meantime, we look to still provide you with high-quality interviews and content. On this week's episode, I had a chance to talk with legendary ESPN sports broadcaster and good friend Sal Palantonio. He gives me his perspective on the Eagles' Week 13 loss to the Packers and if Carson Wentz should be benched for his poor performance. We get into Jalen Hurts' future and the era of the mobile quarterback in the current NFL, as well as what adjustments the Eagles' organization may make with a tough salary cap situation. We talk about his decorated career as a reporter and broadcaster. And and even a background look into his work as an author. Hey, you don't want to miss Sal Pal telling it like it is on Gun on One. Good day once again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Gun on One, the podcast. It is brought to you by Patterson Square Garden. I'm Derek Gunn. It goes without saying, right now the Philadelphia Eagles are a hot mess, and we as fans and casual, casual and professional observers are caught right in the middle of it. So you guys have heard enough from me each and every week talking about the Eagles' demise, but I wanted to bring in not just someone. I wanted to bring in a deep thinker someone who's well-known, well-respected, someone who I am proud to call a close friend. We've known each other for more than two decades. He is the one and only, from ESPN, Sal Palantonio, football reporter extraordinary. How you doing, my man? d it's such
3: an honor to be with you. Uh, you know, we've always talked about me and you doing a show or a radio show together for years and years. Never got an opportunity to do that because we got... Two multinational corporations on other on either end of it, but now here we are, with the the beauty of the pandemic and technology, we are together, and it is a beautiful thing. How is your family doing? That's my first question.
2: Dude, you know what? We are blessed. When you think about this pandemic, and it's not just me and my wife here; it's my me and my wife, and we have one of my daughters, a son-in-law, and a uh, grandson living with us. Nice. And yeah. So, so when we, people ask me what what is my house like, I said, well. There's four adults, three dogs, and a 23-month-old demolition expert. <laughs>
3: so
2: there is never a quiet moment. And how's your family doing, man?
3: We are blessed too. Uh, I've got three beautiful granddaughters. They're spread oh, out a little man. bit. Yeah. And uh, you know, my wife doing good. My daughters are doing mm. good. We're all doing, my mom down in Florida, hanging in there haven't seen her uh for over a year now so i'm dying to get down to see her mm. uh but you know we'll we'll get through this got to stay positive and test negative
2: that's right amen brother amen about that and be careful where you're going at all times nowadays you know you hear numbers spiking and so on and so forth and yep. you know when you get to our age you just have to be a little bit more cautious your age a oh, good point when you get to my age, I just have to be a little bit more cautious. Hey, by the way, uh, congratulations this past summer. Uh, you celebrated 25 years at ESPN. Did you ever think, honestly, you would be there that long? D. Gun, when I left the Philadelphia Inquirer,
3: well, my, my last year there, ESPN offered me a one-year contract. Wow. One year. And I remember calling my dad. My dad's name was Vito. God rest his soul. I called my dad up and uh, I said, you know, dad, I I want to go to ESPN. I want to be on TV, but it's only a one-year deal. And he said, you know what? If you don't screw it up, they'll give you another deal. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, great. And then he said, and don't screw it up.
2: Mm. that's all that's awesome and obviously you haven't for more than two decades because you're still standing strong my man that's that's inspirational words from a guy named Vito don't screw it up (laughs) you know when you think about it in our business it's a nasty business we live in right now why do you think you've been able to sustain and, and achieve that longevity well you
3: know the same thing goes in anything especially in sports I I I remember first meeting Ozzie Newsome, the Hall Mm -hmm. of Famer, GM, Mm -hmm. uh, tight end, GM the Baltimore Ravens. It was my first year uh, with ESPN. I covered the Ravens' first draft. And uh, he looked at me, and we talked for the longest time, and I said, what kind of advice can you give me Mm -hmm. from the game of football that I could use in television? And he said, the more you can do, the more you can do.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: so be versatile be available uh and chris berman once said to me at espn sometimes you get to play quarterback yep. sometimes you get to play right guard when you're at a t- when you're at a game you're the quarterback when you're at the super bowl with 150 of your friends and colleagues yep. you're playing right guard mm-hmm. and you got to be able to play those roles and understand that there are no." Bad roles, only bad actors.
2: That's right. Valid point and excellent information, man. You like myself, we have watched this this team disintegrate all season long. And let's start with obviously the face of the franchise, Carson Wentz. And you have watched him each and every week. How shocked are you at how badly he's played this year? I am totally
3: shocked. You know, I think the number one reason for the, for the way he has played D gun is obvious. The offensive line is just not protecting him.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Number two, I think it's pretty clear that since the concussion that he suffered in the wildcard game, he's not the same confident player. Mm. I don't put as much stock into the Jalen hurts drafting as, as other people do. I think number three given the offensive lines problems and the fact that he doesn't want to get hit, he's married now, got a baby girl, you know, instincts take over. I think the design of the offense does not help him. I think, you know, everybody talks about play calling. Well, I would prefer to talk about play design. What are they doing to make him successful? But even if you put all of that together, offensive line, perhaps a denigration of his confidence, the design of the offense, he's just missing open receivers. Yep. If I invite anybody who's watching this show to do what Derek Gunn does, watch the All-22, watch Game Pass, Mm -hmm. go through the film, and just watch over and over again. There are receivers open, and he's not pulling the trigger. And then when he does throw the ball, it's inaccurate. He's the most inaccurate passer in the NFL right now, according to mm-hmm. next-gen stats. And I have been advocating for three weeks that he be benched. Three mm-hmm. weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, to bench him when it's 23-3 to on the road against Aaron Rodgers. Yep. Rogers, yep. I mean, come on.
2: <laughs> so now we have a proverbial quarterback controversy. Jalen Hurts comes in, rallies the team a little bit, gets them close, um, made some good plays, used his well, uh, legs well, uh, scrambled well, all the things Carson wasn't doing. So what happens next week? Who's your starting quarterback?
3: It has to be Jalen Hurts. Agree. It has to be Jalen Hurts. For three main reasons. Number one, I'm not saying get rid of Carson Wentz. Right. I'm saying give Carson Wentz a time to step back, just like Andy did for Donovan in 2008. Mm -hmm. And I was in that press conference. I believe you were there too. Yep. We asked Andy, why'd you do it? Andy said, sometimes you got to take an inch back to take a mile forward, go go a mile forward. So let Carson sit back and watch, Mm -hmm. okay? Two, let the coaching staff design some things for
2: hurts that can also work for Carson. Mm. But you know that's not gonna happen. It hasn't happened up to this point. What makes you think it's gonna happen from this point moving forward? I mean, this coaching staff has been baffling all season.
3: A man man can dream. American American dream. American dream. Yeah. But I I think the other most important thing, G Gunn, is no one's closer to the players than you are. I say that again. No one is closer to the players on this team than Derek Gunn. You know this team. You know this team. You know that this team right now is demoralized because of the play of their quarterback. Mm -hmm. That meeting. That was between Brandon Graham, Doug Peterson, Mm -hmm. Jason Kelsey, and Carson Wentz was designed to get Carson and Doug to understand how uh, frustrated the team was, not the Mm -hmm. opposite way around. Mm -hmm. People misread that meeting. That was Kelsey and Brandon Graham pleading with Peterson, please make this guy accountable. And that's why I think right after the meeting happened, Doug got the realization that he had to change the quarterback against the Packers.
2: Mm. So, why do you think they've treated Carson Wentz with uh, oven mittens, basically? You know, as I've said, yeah, but there are a lot of quarterbacks now, come on now. There, there are a lot of quarterbacks, Sal, who make a lot of money, but who will get called over to the sideline by a coach. Coach will whisper in his ear. They will talk about things. This guy, he hasn't won anything. Hasn't stayed healthy long enough in a season. This guy walks off to the sideline. It's like the parting of the Red Sea. Everybody gives him his space. Very few people will say anything to him. How does he get this this royal treatment?
3: Uh, I think that's because of his personality. I mean, when Grow was there, when Mike Grow was there, you and I would point out the fact that every other... Even Tom Brady would sit on the bench next to Josh McDaniels. McDaniels would take out the Microsoft tablet and say, all right, TB12, it was here, it was here, it was here. Mike Groh never sat next to Carson Wentz and coached Mm -hmm. him up.
2: Mm -mm.
3: And it doesn't happen now. He comes to the sideline and he gets ignored because I think that's the way he wants it. And that's Mm. just, you know, uh, there's not enough coaching going on. There's just not. But I don't know if he would even respond to it at this point. I think he needs to take a
2: step back. Is Doug Peterson truly on a hot seat when you look at uh, the no. inconsistency, you don't think so?
3: No, I don't.
2: Really? You think I he will know. be here in 2021?
3: I think it's wrong to fire him. Okay. And I think, it's the, I think it's the wrong thing to do.
2: Okay. And, and I agree with you, but I want to know why you say that.
3: I think it's wrong to fire him because he made the playoffs for three straight years. Only one of four coaches to do that. The others were Andy Reid with Mahomes, Bill Belichick with Brady, Sean Payton with Brees. The fourth one, Doug Peterson, with mm-hmm. a revolving door at the quarterback position. So one, two. He didn't already. He didn't just forget how a coach. Two. He brought Jeffrey Lurie, that piece of hardware. Mm-hmm. That was so elusive for twenty plus years, and I don't think Jeffrey Lurie is going to forget that anytime soon. I think he understands that Doug Peterson deserves the right to fix it. Three, all right. I'm all. I've never been a fire the coach guy. You know that about me. I don't go on the radio and talk. Hey, fire this guy, fire that guy. Okay. Um, you still have to have a plan if you're going to fire him. Tell me what the plan is. Mm-hmm. Say you want a re- revolution. We all want to see the plan. That's what John Lennon said. God rest his soul, mm-hmm. shot forty years ago tomorrow. Uh, uh, so let me let me know what the plan is, because Eric enemy is going to be one of the top guys hired, and he doesn't want to come here. This is he, this is not an easy job compared to Jacksonville or Houston. Mm-hmm. Brian Dayball. Okay, maybe. From Buffalo, but again, if you have a shot at one of the top jobs, you're going to Houston where you got Deshaun Watson, where they got money, Jacksonville, we got a top pick. Uh so Todd Bowles, you could bring him back, but then who's your offensive coordinator? Right. Is it is it Press Taylor? Is it Rich Scangarella? Who is it? Uh and does I know Todd Bowles wants to bring John Dorsey with him wherever he goes. So what happens to Howie Roseman? Does John Dorsey come in to babysit Howie Roseman or replace him? Uh, Those are me. So people have to know the behind the scenes mechanics of firing a coach. Remember, as you know, Bob Lamont represents Roseman, Peterson, Press Taylor, Brian Dayball, all of those people. So, and, and he also knows that Andy Reid was hired and given a new job at double the money before he ever left Philadelphia.
2: Yeah. So moving forward, if Doug survives this, is it imperative he finds the next Frank Reich as an offensive coordinator? He can't come back and just be that play caller again in 2021.
3: And this is the thing. You're exactly right. This is the question. So what happens? And I do think Doug will survive. And I do think there will be some hard Meetings in which, like last year, that was kid stuff compared to what's going to happen this year with his offensive mm-hmm. staff. So, you need an offensive coordinator who's more like the Shanahan system
2: mm-hmm.
3: than the drop back and pass Andy Reid system, the West Coast system. So, Scangarella has called those plays and done it in the fast in Denver. You could – I'm just – we're talking here. I don't know right. what discussion's being, being had. But you could promote Rich to the OC, maybe, and have him call plays, maybe, and Doug keeps the head coaching job. Press Taylor, not ready yet to be a head coach. Um, maybe Press Taylor interviews at a couple of places. Mm-hmm. Maybe he leaves and becomes the OC for somebody under a new head coach because the enemy is going to need somebody. Bowles is going to definitely need somebody. Robert Sala is going mm-hmm. to need an offensive coordinator. And Robert Sala deserves a job. The yes. deserves a job. Bowles deserves a job. So of the three top African-American candidates who will all get jobs, and I believe they should and will get jobs, mm-hmm. Two of them are defensive guys, and they're going to need OCs. So maybe Taylor goes somewhere else, because or maybe Rich goes somewhere else. I don't know. But the bottom line is, I agree with you. There will have to be a separation of powers. Yep. If we Doug have, is going to yeah. stay.
2: We have watched this roster in spots get old and stale. Is it time to tear it down and rebuild it from the bottom up?
3: Hard to do, right?
2: Yeah, yep.
3: Yes, Hard to is. do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you start. Are you starting Jordan Mailata next year at left tackle?
2: Mm-hmm. You are okay. No, no, no. I'm just saying in terms of there is youth on this team that has to be thoroughly evaluated over these final five. Well, let's take a position.
3: Let's take a position yeah. by the most important position right now is the starting okay. five offensive linemen. Yep. You your three. left tackle. yeah Okay, your left tackle's Jordan Mailata. Okay, your center, if you can convince him, is Jason Kelsey to come back mm-hmm. for one more year. Mm-hmm. Lane Johnson's ankle's got to be repaired and rehabbed, and he's your right tackle. Yep. Brandon Brooks, I don't know where his injury is, whether he's coming back at right guard and whether he, how long he can be sustained at that spot. Isaac, again, injury, left guard. If you can get the offensive line, maybe you bring in a free agent, you're definitely drafting high in offensive line, no question. You know, Dillard is – I never liked Dillard as a tackle in this league. I think he's potentially a guard, a swing guard maybe, maybe at most. Um, So that's a bad pick. Uh, Rieger to me, maybe he has a shot with Jalen Hurts because when Jalen moves, that gives – that gives the other Jalen, Jalen Squared, a chance to beat mm-hmm. coverage. Cause right now he can't he can't get open by himself. He yeah. as we like to say in basketball, he can't create his own shot. hmm
2: You agree with me? I agree with you a hundred percent.
3: Okay, so Jalen Hurts is running around. Now Jalen Rika can get open. Because now they have to worry about Jalen Hurts running. They gotta dedicate a hat to him to a dual threat quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like Lamar, like Deshaun, like Patrick Mahomes, like Josh Allen, for sure you got to because he can run. Uh, like Tua, we're in the era
2: of dual threat quarterbacks, right?
3: And Jalen is one of them.
2: Okay, so if you have to retool, slash rebuild, the bigger question is who is doing it? Is it Howie? Is it a completely different direction in 2021? That's a huge question right now. We've watched Howie Roseman do it for X amount of years with limited success. So who takes it from here into the immediate and possibly long-term future?
3: Again, so that's the second part of the operation. If you're going to give Doug help and say, Doug, you need a right-hand man. You got to say the same thing to Howie. It's only fair.
2: Mm-hmm. That's right.
3: We're bringing I in agree. we're bringing in this guy to help you evaluate, make decisions.
2: So you think if Howie survives, he needs to find himself another Joe Douglas type?
3: Howie's going to survive. This you're, is not.
2: You're, you're giving you you're, that is sure that he's going to survive this mess.
3: I'm telling you howie Wentz and Doug will be back next year all three. Wow. Of them.
2: Wow. All right. So right now as we look at it, the Eagles have one of the worst salary caps situations. We keep hearing the cap is going to plateau at 175 million because of COVID and lost revenue. Right now the Eagles are upside down 60 negative 65 million and then some in salary cap. How do you retool it? And, and stay competitive in 2021.
3: Yep, that's tough. So the first thing that has to happen is yep. you, have, you have to go to Carson Wentz and you have to say, we're going to restructure this thing. Right? You add years and give them the mm-hmm. money up front. That's one. That's the most important thing that has to happen. That gives you immediate relief. Secondly, what I'm hearing from the league office right. Is that the salary cap won't be as bad as they think it will be because they're thinking they think they're gonna get fans next year. Oh, okay. In certain places. So maybe that'll happen in Philadelphia. But you know, the deal is you know, ticket revenue, parking revenue, that's unshared revenue. Mm -hmm. You're gonna get a new TV deal, which will infuse more cash. So the, the bottom line is you can survive a bad salary cap, if you can get that money back. Mm -hmm. If you can get that money back. Because you can go to a guy who's coming in, listen, I'll give you an eight-year deal. But I'm going to give you this big balloon payment. Your number is going to be real low. Your paragraph five number is going to be real low. That's a hard sell to a lot of guys. It might not be a hard sell D-Gun in 2021 because mm-hmm. I think a lot of teams will be making the same sell. But if I'm a, if I'm, a, if I'm an offensive lineman, a free agent, I got to say to myself, all right, why am I coming to Philly? I don't know who the coach is going to be in 2022. I don't know who the quarterback's going to be in 2022. Mm-hmm. I got a wage tax and a high income tax in the state of Pennsylvania. I'm going to Jacksonville. I'm going to Miami, I'm going to Tampa, I'm going to Houston, I'm going to Dallas where there's no income tax and I know what I got.
2: It's a hard sell, man. Mm. So if you're Jeffrey Lurie and you're sitting behind closed doors, put yourself in his chair and you're looking at this mess- Do I get to keep the
3: money? Do I get to keep the money?
2: Yeah, only if I get 20% of what you get. (laughs) So you got a pad of paper and a pen in front of you. What are you writing down as you analyze everything all encompassed from now until the conclusion of this season?
3: Okay, top three things. First thing is I have to have a meeting with my head coach. And under number one, I'm gonna list three things that I'm gonna ask the head coach. One. Doug, do you want to be here? Doug, Mm
1: -hmm.
3: what is your plan for 2021? Because we're not looking past that. What is your plan? Show me your detailed plan. Mm -hmm. Because in the end, Doug is the face of it. And then I bring Howie Roseman in and I say, can you two work together? Look me in the eye and say that you can work together to repair this. And then I bring Carson Wentz into the room and I say, okay, we're all in this together, right? And that's what happens. I think those are the top three things in that order. It has to be Doug first. And the question to Doug, the first one is, Doug, do you wanna be here? How much do you wanna be here? Convince me that you want to stay.
2: Mm-hmm. You you look at a Jeffrey Lurie. Uh,
3: what do you think done. of that?
2: I, I, you know what? You should be a GM. You should make, You should own a piece of a team. No, but you're, you wasting, you're wasting your talents reporting on the game. You need to be in somebody's front office.
3: <laughs> no, but I think it, it makes sense, doesn't it? It makes common sense, right? No, there?
2: Absolutely. There's no question. These are things that have to be talked about. These are things as an owner who claims he's frustrated, who told us after 2017, along with his head coach, along with his general manager, that winning this trophy was the new norm moving forward. But lo and behold, it has continued to go the opposite direction. So if he's as frustrated as I think he is, he needs to have these knockdown, drag out discussions with the two most most influential people in the organization other than the quarterback which is the decision maker in your draft and the head coach who's running the show now my next question to you is Jeffrey Lurie is not as visible as a Jerry Jones as a Robert Kraft is is Jeffrey Lurie too hands off in some ways
3: oh that's a sort of a esoteric question at this point Gunn. I think you know, I think as the years have gone by, right? Je- Jeffrey Lurie has increased his input into okay. the team. I think once Andy left, once Banner left, once he got remarried, his children got older. Mm-hmm. I think uh, there were a lot of dynamics at play. Once the Chip Kelly experience imploded in his face, he realized, hey, uh, this is this belongs to me. It's my name on it, and I've got to be more involved. So I think, I think he's involved in meetings and discussions, but he doesn't pound his fist like Jerry Jones and say, this is the way it's going to be done. Right. You know, he doesn't have that personality. Jeffrey is a soft-spoken, very good-hearted, warm-hearted mm-hmm. person, very forgiving person, a very good person. And um, I'm not saying people take advantage of that. I'm just saying that's his personality. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think, but you know, he has to have some face to face, frank discussions and find out in their heart what are they gonna, what do they want, and what are they gonna do next. Right. And then after that, make a decision. But you know, when he hired Doug Peterson, he said he liked Doug Peterson's emotional intelligence, that it was in stark contrast to Chip Kelly,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and this is the reason why. They got along and they were able to get along in a way that it overcame so many obstacles. Right. You lose your starting left tackle, your starting middle linebacker, your starting quarterback, and you win the Super Bowl with a backup. You know, the only way that God allows you to catch lightning in a bottle is if, you know, you are down the righteous path. You are doing the right things with one another. Right. Am I? I don't know. You're right. Heavy. I don't want to get no. too heavy here, but you know. I you mean, that's why I am. have
2: you I have you on me. See, I wanted somebody who can get deep. See, that's why I love listening to listening to you all the time, man.
3: Yeah, you know, you told me you are where you are you are supposed to be.
2: That's right. I will always tell you that. That's right.
3: I, I wrote that down and, and I put it on my refrigerator.
2: And, and next time you write a book, if you use it in a book, can you just mention my name uh somewhere in your book?
3: I think I'll make it the epitaph. <laughs> No, but seriously, I think they, yeah. they all came together and won that Super Bowl. You know, I got that book behind me, Philly Special. That's right. That's just right. Out, you know, and, um, you know, when you look at it, it's going to be hard to repeat that. It's just so hard to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Everything had to go right. Okay, so I think they were blessed to be together. And yep. I don't think that Jeffrey Lurie is ready to break that up yet. I really don't. Not after one year of missing the playoffs.
2: Do you think not, sometimes Not in the middle maybe, of the pandemic. Okay. So sometimes do you think Jeffrey maybe is loyal to a fault to to people?
3: I'm not going to say that. Okay. That's not, that's not for me to judge.
2: Okay. All right. Yeah, I know I know you're short on time. I got a couple of minutes with you, but I just wanted to ask you a couple of things mm-hmm. on the bigger bigger scheme of things. When you look at what we've had to endure with this pandemic, And you look at where the NFL has found a way to get through 13 weeks. When you talk about the volume of people on a daily basis who are in close quarters on a daily basis, they've had COVID downgrade players, disrupt games, reschedule games. Are you surprised that we're still sitting here about to approach week 14 and the wheel is still moving Mm. in the NFL? I thought there might be a shutdown at some point.
3: I never did. I, I never thought there would be a shutdown. I always thought that there was too much money on the line, and that they would figure it out. But I would like to say this. Yep. Congratulations. Now, we are in week 14, and I don't, I'm don't. i knocking on wood. I don't want to jinx anybody. Yep. But our friend Troy Vincent. Yep. The vice president of game operations for the National Football League has done an unbelievable job. No they question. Have, I mean, the man has not slept since March. That's one. Dr. Alan Sills, the chief medical officer of the NFL, has done an amazing job of being flexible, available, really smart, even-handed, even hand on the till, hasn't lost control of anything. Three, people need to understand this. Congratulations to Damaris Smith. Mm-hmm executive director of the NFLPA, it was the players. It was the players, Players Association, d that demanded daily testing of everybody. Mm-hmm. They created a bubble without a bubble. It also was a deterrent. Now, if I know I'm getting tested every day, yep. I got to do the right thing or I'm going to lose my job.
2: Mm-hmm. That's right.
3: That was a brilliant move by the Players Association. And Vincent, who understands what players go through, convinced Goodell and Sills and Jeff Pash, the general counsel of the league, that this was the only way you could create a bubble without a bubble.
1: Mm.
2: You mentioned the word bubble. The NFL playoff format is expanding to eight playoff teams per conference this year compared to six in previous years. They were talking about possible bubble for the playoffs. Are you in favor of a bubble scenario if that should happen?
3: I'd have to look at it what it would look like, but I think yeah. they I think they don't want to go in that direction mm-hmm. because they don't really want to change what has worked. Yeah. Right? right? So the players and the coaches, you got people have to understand every single day, if you're a player, a coach, or staff member in tier two in every NFL team, So we're talking about thousands of people a day have to get tested every day. Right. T gun that puts a lot of stress, mental, psychological stress on you. You're basically saying every time somebody puts a swab up your nose, you're Mm -hmm. playing Russian roulette with your career.
2: Mm. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm I'm happy from a selfish standpoint, as I know you are, that football is still alive and well and moving forward. In 2020, uh, I can't wait for the playoffs to get here. I think it's going to be an incredible playoff scenario. Um, and there you have it. Uh, in a nutshell, the football world, the Eagles world, according to the one and only Sal Palantonio, the man, definitely not a myth, but certainly a legend in my mind, in my heart. My brother, I can't thank you enough for taking some time to talk football with me. And don't be surprised if I call you down the road again to have you on Gun on Wonder Podcast, brother.
3: I can't wait to come back. And I apologize that I haven't been available sooner. That's but okay. uh, This is great timing. God bless you and your family.
2: Thank you. Same uh, to you. Uh,
3: make sure you stay safe and healthy and have a beautiful holiday together. Please.
2: You do the same, my friend, uh, safe and wellness to you and yours and enjoy the holiday season the best you can. It's going to be like, it's, it's going to be unlike anything we've ever done before. But you know what? we have learned how to adapt and make the best of a bad situation uh, for the last nine months.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. Life, life is like football. You know, you just got to keep moving straight ahead keep going. That's it.
2: Man, if I had any money, I would pay you, but, uh, but I I don't, my wife controls the finances and I'm on a budget until I get another full-time job.
3: Well, listen, here's what you can do. There's my book. That yep. the, the proceeds of the book go to the Kira, Etta, and Audrey College Foundation. Those are my three granddaughters. <laughs> I already put my book. daughter I've already put my daughters to college. Now I'm trying to put my granddaughters to college. Hey, you do what you do what you can, right?
2: I, I have I have the book. It's a great read, man. I can't sit still long enough to write. I've always for the last five years, I've had this passion to want to write children's books. I'm I'm a sucker for kids. And my wife goes, you would be a natural writing children's books. Nothing complicated, just simple reads, maybe a step above the Dr. Seuss type kids' books. I want to write something fun. I can't sit still long enough to write the word the. (laughs) That's how bad I am. It's always, and you know what, it's funny, Sal, when I work, when I'm writing stories, when I'm preparing for something, I can't be in a quiet environment and I have to have noise because I'm always hearing everything else what I'm trying to you know if I try to be in a quiet environment even if I'm just reading a book of my leisure but when it comes to sitting down and writing I need quiet but yet yeah, you hear the dogs barking floor yeah. creaks you yeah. know and I'm like this all and I, I you know so
3: how do you do it I, I don't well, know how to do it here's the funny thing about that book so triumph books my publisher who published two of my previous three books yeah. sent me a advance and said, will you write a book about the Eagles championship season? That was the week before Carson Wentz got injured. Mm-hmm. So the ch- so I get home from the LA trip and there's the check. I tore it up and sent it back to him. I said, you jinxed me. I said, you guys jinxed me and you jinxed the Eagles." And I tore it up and I wrote them back and I sent it back to him. And so the guy, the publisher gets it, the president of the company gets it and he goes, Sal Pal, what are you doing? I said, "Listen, when the when the if and when the Eagles win the Super Bowl, right? Y'all send me another check." So they did, and I got a letter from them, and they said, "You know what? We need the book in forty-five days. We need ninety thousand words in forty-five days." What? I said, "Well, you better write a bigger check, brother." <laughs> <laughs> So I I actually sat down and I said, all right, 45 days, 2000 words a day, I'm done. So I wrote that book in 45 straight days, 2000 words a day, just sat down and didn't get up until I had 2000 words.
2: How could you do that with your job commitments though?
3: Oh man, it was not easy. My goodness. was Was not easy. And here's where you're supposed to say, how did you write such a beautiful book? It's poetry, Sal Pal, in 45 days like that. How did you do that?
2: You know what? I don't have to say that. You already know it. You already know that. I didn't have to say it. You already know it's poetry emotion. Are you kidding me? I'm jealous of you. You wrote a hard, doggone book. I can't write a sentence. I'm, I'm sitting here jealous of you. The story wrote itself.
3: It was an easy story to write. I just had to get mm. out of the way of it.
2: Mm. All right, that'll conclude this edition of Gun on One, the podcast brought to you by Patterson Square Garden. From my man, my friend, my colleagues, Al Palantonio, I'm Derek Gunn. And as we close, as I do each and every week, hey, everybody out there, continue to stay blessed, but more importantly, be a blessing to each and every person you encounter. Until next time, so long, everybody. a production of D-Gun Enterprises in Patterson Square Garden. Alvin Shabazian and Wes Pendleton are the executive producers on behalf of Patterson Square Garden. Lead producer is Derek Gunn. Associate producer is John McNeil. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Alvin Shabazian. Original music by Weatherman. For more information about the podcast, visit GunOnOne.com and please don't forget to subscribe and give us a positive rating if you're feeling the show. Thank you.